Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. It is great to be back. Um, we have heard nothing but glowing reports of the teams that uh, were operating. Everyone, each, every one of you, just the, what, all you did while we were away. And, and uh, you know, I'm sure it does work better without us here than when we're here. So, uh, so thank you so much, everyone. You know, Chris and, and Tristan and, and Nathan and Lisa just, just did an amazing job. Uh, plus everyone else that obviously, obviously contributed to, to everything that goes on here. And uh, so thank you so much. We feel so blessed um, that we've got such great teams that, that just pull weight and just do what you need to do. And, and uh, it just, I don't know, it just releases us heaps to, to do that. And, you know, I had a meeting with Nathan and Lisa this week and Chris and, and just, you know, I, I just can't believe how well things have gone, you know. And, and so it's such a, a great thing to come back and my desk not be covered with stuff. It's actually, like I went, oh, what am I going to do? You know, so, uh, so it was an interesting one. But uh, we, we did have a great holiday and... Um, Oh, yeah, of course, the, the car park is amazing next door. I don't know if you've re- realised it yet, but uh, there's this amazing car park being built next door, and it's going it to just, it's just happened, you know, and I went away, and it, it sort of just happened. And, and uh, Alan Hay obviously has had a lot to do with that. We've had guys here planning and pegging out things, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. You know, basically the vision for that is we, um, you know, we realise it's not the best look to make people walk through mud and sand and stuff to, to get to church. So we're basically, you know, there's road base going in there now. We'll be sort of setting out where the car parks are and um, uh, those little sheds that are out the front, they're very beautiful looking sheds, of course, but, uh, uh, but they'll be going out. So I'll be opening up the whole property and, and you'll be able to park closer to the church and we'll have more access. Um, it'll just be great. You won't, ladies won't get your shoes all dirty, hopefully come to church and uh, I know that that's a, a big deal and, and uh, so it's just, it's just awesome. Like God is so good. You know, practically we, we can't afford to put that car park in but uh, just through some amazing generous people that, that's been, been uh, given to us basically. Um, you know, we've had five weeks off and uh, I'm, I'm preaching on the power of habit this morning and uh, and one of the, our, the habits that I, I thought about while we were on holidays, we drove for 5,000 kilometres to get to Bowen and had four weeks there and then drove back. And, and, and I can't remember too many times I actually thought about what I was doing when I was driving. You know, driving becomes such a habit. But I also remember teaching my four kids to drive and it just wasn't a habit back then. You know, I remember particularly um, Brenton trying to learn in a, a geared car and stalling about 20 times at this intersection until he just got out and said, stuff it, I'm, I'm out of here, and just walked off. <laughs> and so I had to drive the car out. Um, actually, my wife did that too, by the way. I can remember that. Um, but also, I remember when, because we'd help you know, teach Brenton and Tristan how to drive, and then Sophie and Claire came along, the twins, and we went to get their L's. And uh, you just forget they don't know how to drive. And I, and I put the L's on the car, said, okay, you want to drive home? And Claire said, oh, yeah, okay. And so she jumped in and she did really quite well. Then we swapped over and Sophie had a go. And uh, 
she wasn't quite as accomplished. And uh, we're driving up this street. It was a cul-de-sac, and I just assumed she'd know that you just slow down and go around the cul-de-sac. All of a sudden, we're up on someone's guttering and in someone's drive, and, and we're going, darling, stop, stop, stop. Oh, oh, I didn't know what to do. And I went, I don't know what to do. Haven't you been in a car before? You know, don't you know you slow down and go around the cul-de-sac? And it's just like, it, it just gets habit. Driving becomes a habit. And there was only a few times I can think of in all those hours on the road where I actually had to think about what I was doing. One time was when we were up in Queensland, in Marlborough, and we pulled up and have a bit of a rest. And I went around behind the camper trailer and the attachment that was holding the bike racks on behind the camper trailer was actually cracked and it was actually leaning back. And so oh, gee, what are we going to do? So we got it welded and got it chocked up and put a little bit more in there and, and it looked like it would, would last really well and I strapped it on to make sure it wouldn't fall off or anything like that. And uh, so that worked well for, for ages until we were about, we are at Brankston actually, up the road. And uh, it was sort of rainy and cold and all that sort of stuff, which is just... Uh, anyway, we were driving along and, and someone flashed me and I thought, oh yeah, must be police up ahead or they're just saying g'day or or whatever, and didn't think too much about it. Then looked in the rear vision mirror, I thought, hmm, I can't see the bike rack there anywhere. And uh, so I kept driving a little bit more. I thought, oh, I'd better stop, someone else flash me. And uh, so I pulled up, in, there was nowhere to pull up actually, I had to pull up on the, just on the, on the curve, like just on the side of the road, half a lane, and uh, our bike rack had snapped completely off and was dragging behind the car, a bike rack and two bikes, was dragging behind the car. I'm sure it would have been putting out some nice uh, sparks and looked very attractive. But I just thank God, I mean, I lost my temper a little bit and just threw the bikes in the, uh, the long grass. I won't tell you what I said, but it was, said, I'll come back later and uh, have another look at that. And, uh, but, uh, but I just thank God that the thing didn't fall off and cause an accident or something, you know, running into someone's car. And uh, um, so, so that was probably just about the only two times I can think of while we were driving that I had to actually think about what was going on. And, and so that, that sort of leads me into the, this whole thing of habits. While I was away, <clears throat> I read a few books, not too many actually, but um, I'll tell you something. I, I felt like God really, really challenged me just to read the book of Acts while we were away. I didn't read another book in the Bible. Just kept reading the book of Acts back and forward, and it was such great revelation. I think it's for us for next year, and uh, it is an astonishing book when you start to look at it and really consider what happened in the early church. And uh, so, I didn't want to go there very much today, but uh, but another book I read was The Power of Habit. Now Sharon Stevenson gave me this. Is she in here? Is she in Kids Church? Ah, okay. And it's a great book, The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg. Now, he's not a Christian, I don't think. Um, it's not a Christian book, but anyway, you can blame Sharon if you don't like this message today because I'm, I'm preaching out of a little bit of that. Um, but I reckon it just gave some really valuable insights into habits and, and stuff like that. And I used this quote, I just realized I used this quote before I went away five weeks ago, and it's very appropriate today. And so I'll use it again. <clears throat> What's your thoughts for they become words? Watch your words because they become actions. Watch your actions for they become habits. Watch your habits for they become character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. Thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become our character and our destiny. Amazing. 
Habits have got such a central, important part in our lives. And the thing is, we don't even realise the habits we have often in our lives, you know, that they help develop our character and our destiny. It's amazing. So what's a habit? A habit's a choice that we deliberately made at some point and then stopped thinking about but continue doing often every day. Every day. Or the way the book explains it, a habit is a formula our brain automatically follows when we see a cue, we will do a routine in order to get a reward. A cue, a routine and a reward. We've got that up there? Yep, great. And uh, it's really important for us, a really important thought for us to consider that, that often we think it's the big thing in, things in life that make all the difference. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's the way I've thought. And, and we look at people who are successful, um, who have achieved more, have accomplished more, and we feel so helpless sometimes and, and, and wondering, well, how do you do this? You know, what are the big things I need to do? What, what are the big things that they're doing that I need to do that I don't seem to be able to do to make me a success or to be able to be successful? And one of the things, the key things I'd like us to consider this morning really is, is this thought. Um, that so often it's the small things that no one sees, you know, the, the small things that the result in the big things that everyone wants. It's sometimes just the really small things, the, the habits, the, uh, uh, the things in our lives that we don't even realise we're doing and, and the small things that no one even sees. They don't even see them often and, and it results, results in big differences in our lives that everyone wants, by the way. You know, and for some people, and I've been here too, we can think that the lottery win is the answer. You know, we think, well, if I win the lottery, then all my, my um, problems will be over. You know, it's just not the truth. It's just not the truth. You know, um, if I get a promotion at work, if I have good luck, if I'm in the right place at the right time, you know, if I get that big breakthrough in life, you know, and our life, my life will be successful and different because of that. But you know what? The longer I'm around people, the longer I, I experience life, I realise it's not the big things at all. It's not the big things at all. It's often the very small things, the very small things that, that we do on a very regular basis that really make the most difference in our lives. And a guy called um, Sean Covey, which, which is Stephen Covey's son, he says this, we become what we repeatedly do. We become what we repeatedly do. And, and I think Jesus agrees with me. I'll show you a few scriptures in a minute. And I know there's heaps of Proverbs. So I mentioned Eric we're, was going to preach on this. Oh, yeah, there's thousands of Proverbs on that, isn't it? I said, yeah, look, there probably is, but I've got time to try and fit all this in, in this message because it's, it's such a big, big message. Uh, but the truth is our human nature wants an easy fix. Our, our human nature wants the shortcuts. Our human nature wants the big breakthroughs in life and not prepared to do the, the tough little things on the way through to get those breakthroughs. You know? And, and, and you know, we, we, I preached before I went away about integrity, you know, the, the lost virtues. And, uh, and so, we, you know, a lot of us said, yes, I'm a person of integrity and, and you know, I want to be show integrity in my life and, you know, I don't commit murder and I, I don't commit adultery and, and, and I don't steal. But Jesus thinks about that a little differently to us. You see, he knows about human nature. He knows the power of habits. And he tells us in, in Matthew 5, uh, 27 to 28, Have you heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery? But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery. 
See, sometimes it's not the big things. Sometimes it's the little things. Is it your habit, men, to look at women lustfully? Well, in Jesus' eyes, it's the same as committing adultery. Wow. See, it's the small things that make a difference. Matthew 5, the verse before, 21 and 22. You've heard that it is said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to, uh, to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So it's the small things. It's not the murder. To show integrity, we've actually got to not look at uh, women lustfully. We've not got to get angry. And yeah, there's there's a right, there's righteous anger sometimes that we we need to experience. But, But, you know, if we live angry lives, Jesus is saying it's just like murder. Wow, that's a big deal. See, it's often the little things in life, you know, and for some people say, yeah, I've got integrity, but, but, but I'm not a thief, I don't steal, but, but do you go out of your way to return that thing you borrowed from somebody? Do you go out of your way to return a, a, a book or, a, or something you've borrowed in tools or, 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 or something you've ended up with somehow? And you know, it, you, your intentions were good, you meant to give it back, you know, but the truth is, We judge ourselves on our intentions, but other people on their actions. We need to judge ourselves on the actions we do. We follow through. And and, and even though it might be unintentionally, if you keep that thing, it's not showing great integrity. That's the same as as taking stuff from work or from church, you know? If you just take the stuff and and stealing, you're a thief. And and I don't know if that, you need to say that, that straight sometimes. You know, you just can't take advantage of that stuff because it's not showing integrity. And I believe it's the small thing in life, things in life that lead to the big things. You know, it's those small little compromises. All of a sudden, they grow and they grow. It's like going to McDonald's. You get the sugar and the, the salts and the, you know, the calorie hits and, and it feels good and, and you go away and you go, gee, that, was, that felt good until you, a little while later. You don't feel so good. But, but then you want to go back because it's that craving for the, the sugar and the, and the salt and, 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 you know, those fluffy buns and, and all those sorts of things. Making you hungry, I guess, the chips, yeah. Um, and so often we hear story. Everyone's getting hungry now, but hurry up. <laughs> you know, and you hear the story of people who won the lottery and you think that's the answer. And, and you think now they'd be happy and successful. But it's often so almost the opposite of that. They still up, uh, end up leading really sad and messy and undisciplined lives. And, uh, uh, and some end up blowing all their winnings and, and they end up back where they started. But often they end up out of relationship with their family and friends because they've been so uptight on the way through. And some, I've even heard them say, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me when I won the lottery. See, it's not about the big things. You know, it's not about those big lottery wins. It's actually about being good stewards of what God gives us and building on that day by day by day by day. I'm telling you, it's what happens. Anyway, in this book, um, examines the psychology of habits and, and how they can be changed, which is a brilliant thing. You know, from scientific labs, they do all sorts of scientific examples of that. And, and Bill Wilson, the founder of um, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, he uses the same sorts of principles in his program, from brushing our teeth to driving our car. And, and researchers say unconscious habits drive up to 40% of our behaviour. 
Now, I've actually read something since I read the book, and, and some people are saying it's up to 95% of our behaviour. Whoa, that is a lot. We don't see, God, I think, has made us so. Our brains can only hold so much information at one time or process so much at one time. And so when you learn to drive, you have to have total focus on it, don't you? Just like every bit of it, the driving, the blinkers, the brakes, what do I do next? But all of a sudden it becomes a habit. You don't even have to think about it. And, and I think it's like that. God's sort of tuned us in so we can get habitual in the way we do things. But I don't think it's a good thing to live our lives habitually unless they are really good habits, I guess. You know, and there's good habits and bad habits we need to, to think about. And so the, the challenge is to get rid of the bad habits and increase more of the good habits. You know, I looked at a few scriptures, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and it says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not to, neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, love, good works, meeting together. It's what we're meant to do. It's supposed to be the, a, a Christian habit, a pattern. We're meant to do that on a regular basis, encouraging one another. In Luke 22, 39 to 46, it says this. In the NIV version, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. In the Amplified version, it says this. And, we came out, uh, and he came out and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives and the disciples also followed him. And then it goes on. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you do not fall into temptation. He withdrew with some, about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. See, he didn't want to do this. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. You see, Jesus and the disciples had a habit of going to the Mount of Olives and praying. Not just praying, praying earnestly. It was a great habit in their lives. Why? So they didn't fall into temptation. Didn't fall into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. And, and it was his prayer this time as it always was, God, your will be done, not my will. Even though, take this cup away, I don't really want to do this. I know this is gonna, I'm going to die. I know this is going to hurt. But take this cup away if you will but your will be done, not mine. I choose to lay down my life for mankind. That's what God did. That's what Jesus did. God, this is your will, the Father's will, not my own will. And a, an angel was sent to him to strengthen him because of the habit he had formed in his life of going and praying. Now, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but, but you, know, you could say the habits of Jesus influenced eternity. Because he was prepared to go and die for us. He was prepared to do God's will, not his own will. He was prepared not to be tempted to do his own thing. Because he could have. And, and, and here's the thing. Those habits, those good habits come out when we're under pressure. When our lives are under pressure, the good habits and the bad habits will come out. So I've seen it so often. You know, look, even someone can be in this church for a couple of years and they don't go, go under pressure. And they look like fantastic. You know, they, they've got it all together. And then some pressure comes and they can just crumble. And you realize there's so much in behind that you've never seen before. There's a mask that's come on. They've lived a mas masquerade. And, and, you know, we've got to get those good habits in our lives. So when the pressure comes on, we respond out of that 
not the bad habits, you know, not the negative stuff. Um, okay, so, so here's, here's the thing I thought for us, the application for us, you know, we imagine unlike Jesus, we, we can, uh, we can with, withstand the temptation with just a two-second uh, prayer every now and then, you know, of God help me. And, uh, and when the tough stuff comes, what's our response? It goes, where are you, God? And we haven't actually formed that good habit of spending time in, in to hear his small, still voice, to, to just get alone with him and, and recognize his voice. And I think that's the sort of habits we have to set up. You know, removing old habits and adopting new, new ones are not that easy. If you've tried to do anything like that, like setting up new eating habits or you've tried to get fit or... or or you've, you've, if you've been a smoker, you've tried to give up smoking or drinking or, or whatever that looks like. Or you, or you thought, I'm going to run a marathon or a triathlon. And, and all of a sudden, you, it's not that easy, you know. And uh, the, the, our habits are ingrained in, in part of our lives. So how do we change those habits? So that's what I, I want to just cover quickly now. This is from the book. So, um, and there might be a little even be contradiction between what the book says and what I say afterwards in a scriptural context. But the key to habit change is recognizing the pattern of the, the habits. And uh, there's a habit loop that we've already seen. The cue, the routine, and the reward. And, and the routine is the habit that's like biting your nails or drinking coffee for that hit or checking our email, emails or checking our phones on a constant basis. Just this habit becomes so important to us. And it's initiated by the cue driven by a craving for a, a reward. And there's a four-step process that this guy recommends. It's first of all, identify the routine. Identify it. Um, say you develop this, this, this uh, habit of eating cake in the afternoon. You know, maybe it's at work. And you realize um, it's not really helping your weight control in this process. The first step is to recognize you've fallen into that pattern first. Recognize and identify the routine that leads to the habit. Journal that even. Write it down uh, so you can recognize when it starts. And then explain. The next one, next one is experiment with the rewards. Is it the, the cake's taste? Is it the sugar hit? Is it the, the smell? Is it the, the, just the aboard? And, and, and cake sounds like a good idea. And, and start, you start testing that craving, you know. Talking a lot about food this morning, aren't I? Everyone's probably going to be really hungry. But it's real, what are you really craving? Is it just that feeling of security or, or is, is there a memory? Maybe if as a kid you got cake as a little kid and you feel really secure. I don't know. But you experiment with the rewards. And, and instead of that, you might have a cup of tea or you might try chatting to a friend and see if you get that similar sort of sense of, of uh, that being satisfied. The third thing is identify the cue. Do you start to crave the cake at a particular time in the afternoon or is it when you sit down at your desk? Um, learning the cue might be to do with Location, it might be to do with time, it might be to do with your emotional state, um, and you need to know what that is to redesign that, that habit loop. And maybe it's who you're around leads you to do that, that particular habit, or maybe it's something that happens each day that precedes that urge. So, so they're, the, they're the first three stages, and the fourth one is the really important one, have a plan. Have a plan. Habit change happens when you choose a better routine that's triggered by a known cue and delivers a known reward. What, you need to work out what that is for you, you know? 
Um, write it down. You know, Habakkuk 2, very clearly God says, write down the revelation, make it plain. And, and somehow there's something goes on when we write it down, that we start to examine our actions a bit more. And rather than have that cake, we go for a, we do have that cup of tea. We go and we go, and, you know, when I get that urge, I'm going to go and talk to a co-worker and, and, and see if I can just, you know, start a different habit happening there. It's identifying, replacing with something else that gives us that same reward. We have a plan, we write it down. You know, and, and truthfully, I believe understanding this, this habit loop has huge implications for ministry, for me. You know, often pastoral counselling often deals with habitual behaviour in people, you know, and, and those struggling with bad habits from pornography to, to laziness, you know, um, uh, can begin to change the, the old patterns through recognising their cues, replacing the rewards and being, beginning better routines in our lives. And, and for you this morning, I don't know if there's a habit that comes to mind that you want to get rid of, but, but I know I'm not giving you a lot of information, but I, I would suggest if you can read that book, start to journal what you're doing, start to journal the, the process around that habit, you know, is it the place you're at? Is it the time? Is it the, you know, whatever that, you know, that temptation is. Um, start to examine what that's about. And, and then start to do different processes, do different routines, try different cues, try different rewards. And uh, you, you might be surprised. What, what I really um, thought was very interesting for me was just, I'm going to give you a few quotes out of the book about willpower and self-discipline. You know, because we are what we repeatedly do. Okay, but there's a couple of great quotes in here that I thought were really important for us as parents and as students of life. And just listen to this, and I think I have got a screen for it. Um, Dozens of studies show that willpower is the single most important keystone habit for individual success. Willpower, not IQ. And researchers said this, self-discipline predicted academic performance more robustly than did IQ. Self-discipline has a bigger effect on academic performance than does intellectual talent. And it goes on to say this, and the best way to strengthen willpower and give students a leg up, studies indicate, is to make it a habit. We have to help our kids have self-discipline, to actually have a habit of self-discipline, not by someone forcing them to do it. You know, you you have to give our kids options. You can't force someone to have self-discipline. We actually have to help them in the process of setting up habits that will help them in their lives. You know, and there was this great experiment in, in, this, in this book as well that I want to tell you about. And it was with four-year-olds. Four year and you think, well, you know, they're young. But as a, as a predictor. And they had a bowl of marshmallows on a table in a room. And they got the child to come into the room and sit down in the chair in front of the, the marshmallows. The kids were told they can have one to eat now or... If they wait for a few minutes, they can have two. And the researcher left the room for 15 minutes, not just for a couple of minutes, for 15 minutes. And the kids are sitting there. Only 30% waited until the researcher returned and they got two marshmallows. They then tracked these kids down many years later. I find this so fascinating. And those that resisted the marshmallow ended up with the best grades at school and university. They were more popular... They took fewer drugs. They resisted peer pressure better than the rest of the group. Whoa. Whoa. You see how important habits are? 
You see how important it is to put self-discipline and, and educate our kids how to be self-disciplined. You know, it's not just because it suits everyone else. It's actually to benefit them in their lives. It's amazing. There's a huge implication for us as parents and, and for students. And, and it seems that our kids are able to learn this seemingly small habit of self-discipline has such a huge impact on their lives. And, and, and I read in the book too that... that Self-discipline is like um, a muscle that you need to exercise it to become stronger, you know, and, and it, it needs to be worked on on a consistent basis uh, to become stronger. So it's not something that just happens like that, although some kids seem to have that. But okay, let's, let's switch gears just for a little bit. Um, I want to finish off with some Bible verses this morning. And, uh, and one particularly, the Apostle Paul, the old pastor, wrote to Timothy, the young pastor, might, might be me, the old pastor, I'm the, the Christ, you know, the young pastor, saying, train yourself to be godly. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Make godliness a habit in your life. Make, make godliness a part of who you are, you know? And, and, and there's an advantage we have as Christians because you know, Galatians 5:22 talks about self-control being the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, and it says this, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and self-control. And when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, that fruit is a byproduct of our relationship with God. It, 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 self-control is a byproduct of our relationship with God. And, and we have to train ourselves in that stuff. It, it's not just an automatic function of knowing God, we actually have to start applying some, some principles in our lives that we can start to know who God is in our lives and how we should respond in that circumstances. See, as sons and daughters of the living God. But then there's application to the rest of our lives. You know, and, and sometimes I, I, this is what, this is just my thinking, I've got no studies to back this up, but I, I believe that, that Christian kids do so much better at school and uni than other kids. And I've just seen that, and there's something about the self-discipline thing that happens, a self-control thing. And, and it's not a fluke that many of our leaders in our nation are Christian. It's not a fluke at all. You know, and, and in the world, to be truthful, it's not a fluke at all because of the, some of the principles we've learned in our Christianity. It's, it's the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that self-control. But the truth is we still have to train ourselves to be godly. We have to train ourselves to be godly. We have to train our kids in this. And, and you know, the, the stats show it so clearly. If we can put self-control into our world, um, self-discipline, we can make it habitual, it's going to benefit our life significantly. You know? And, and as a, I trained as a teacher and didn't teach very much. But I just know the kids that had the right attitude that were keen were so much better to teach than the ones that were intelligent and had a bad attitude. You know, the intelligent ones were a nightmare usually. You know, you're trying to, trying to work out how to engage them. But, but the kids that were keen, that actually had some application, that actually had that self-control thing in their lives, they were, just, they were so much better to teach because they, you know, they just wanted to do it. So we have to get rid of those things that aren't God-honoring in our lives. We have to add things that aren't God-honoring in our lives. Okay, how are we going? You know, I think 
for a lot of us, we say, well, I haven't got self-discipline. You know, my son was like this. I haven't got self-discipline. I I don't know how to do that. Well, you know, the thing is, I think for all of us, we have got some disciplines in our lives, whether we recognise them or not. You know, and it might be something like, if you've got a good marriage, guess what? You've got to have good disciplines in your life to have a good marriage. It's not a fluke. It, it actually is something you'll be doing. It might be that you sit down to have dinner together at night time and you have a discussion around the table or it might be that you go to a life group together or that you have a, a time where you just get away from the kids and have just you know, parent, like spouse time together without the kids and, and, and maybe you're successful financially. And I promise you that there's something you are doing in your life that's disciplining you to do that, you know, and, and maybe you, you're just spending less than you make, you know, maybe you're a generous person, maybe you're investing wisely, you know, there'll be disciplines you're using in your life. Maybe you'll even say, look, the only thing I'm good at is video games, you know, and uh, the same principle applies. If you are good at video games, you've had to show some discipline in your life to be really good at video games. Why not apply those same principles to the rest of your life? Why not apply those same principles you use to learn how to be in video games to school and to uni and to to your walk with God? Why not? What have you got to lose? And it's been shown if we can just add a habit to our lives, it actually impacts the whole of our lives. If people decide to change, stop smoking, for instance, it actually not only just affects that one habit, it actually affects the whole range of their lives. And they've shown studies to show this, that all of a sudden they start taking care of themselves more. They start eating better. They start exercising more. They start doing all these other things that just come as a consequence of changing just the one habit. Bring some self-discipline, some self-control. And the opposite's also true, I guess. Any area you're not succeeding in You've got some disciplines that are stopping you succeeding as well. You know, and, and for some of you might say, well, I'm going to go to the gym and get fit this year. And so Monday starts and you're at the gym and Tuesday you're there and then Wednesday you're there and then Thursday, oh, I've got a bit of a short, sore shoulder. You know, I don't think I'll go on. I think I'll have a rest day on Friday. And all of a sudden the whole thing goes out the window. You know, and, and I don't know how many people have got gym memberships here that don't use them, but, but it's a pretty common, common deal. Maybe I'm going to be disciplined in my eating. That's, that's a lot of people want to start that process. You know, and so Monday you do it, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday even you get to, and the weekend comes and everything implodes and, and all of a sudden you're at a fast food outlet somewhere and, and it's all gone out the window. And, and, you know, we can all relate to that stuff because you know what? Even the Apostle Paul relates to that. We look at Romans 7. You should see what he says here. This is a great letter written, written most of the, the New Testament. And look what he says. And I'm going to use the uh, New um, Living Translation for this one. It's, it's Romans 7 verses uh, 15 to 25. I won't read them all, but just some of them. It says this, I don't really understand myself. What a great opening statement. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Verse 18, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And you know what we're talking about here, you know. We've all been there, you know. I want to start a new eating, healthy eating habits, and then all of a sudden those hot chips smell. I was doing that 
before we went away, Chris bought hot chips in the office. I'm trying to eat healthy because I'm trying to get fit to go away. And he brings hot chips in the office and goes, mmm, want some hot chips? And you go, no, yes, I do. <laughs> Give them in. <laughs> I demolished them. No self-discipline at all. We just end up doing the wrong thing every now and then, you know? Look what he says in verse 20. But if I do what I don't want to do, and this is really interesting, he says here, I'm not really the one doing it. Now, this isn't a, a cop-out, but just listen to what this says. Who, who's actually doing it then, Paul? Who is it? He says, it's actually the sin living in me that does it. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You see, by nature, we're not self-disciplined people. We're not. By nature, our sin pulls us away from God and from what God wants in our lives. Our sin nature bends us to doing what is wrong or easy. I'm telling you, it does. Rather than doing what is right. We want to do what's right. We do. But our sin nature lures us away from, what, from God and tempts us to do What's wrong? And sometimes you might have felt like this. I know I have. Verse 24, because he says here, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've just felt like, my goodness, I can't get this under control. I can't do anything about it. I just just keep doing the wrong thing in this situation. And he answers this question. It's so important. In other words, who can help me overcome that temptation? Who can help me walk away from this sin? Who can help me be consistent? Who can help me have the right disciplines, the right habits in my life? And he says in verse 25, thank God the answer. And then if you notice, it's not, it's not a principle, by the way. It's a person. He says... Who can deliver me? The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord. With his help, I can be different. With his help, I can change. With his help, with his power, I can be transformed. You know, the, the word says, do not be conformed by the world. Be transformed by the renewing of our own mind. So we line up with the perfect good will of God. You see, sometimes we've got to examine our lives. Sometimes we've got to look at the way we're doing life. Is it godly? Is it really taking us where God would want us to go? Are there things that he would be not happy with in our lives? Well, I'm telling you, we need to work out a way to get them out of our lives and start to put the good stuff in. And Jesus Christ is the starting point. The Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit gives us that that fruit of self-control you know and we've just got to train ourselves to be godly we've got to keep working at it um i'm just going to read this scripture because i I just think it's worthwhile reading and it's um out of 1 corinthians 9 24 to 27 and it's paul again and he says this this is again New Living Translation. Don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Church, run to win. If we're running this race anyway, why wouldn't we run to win? 
in God's economy, why wouldn't we run the race to win? Why wouldn't we get everything out of the way that holds us back from God and go full on into him? You know, why wouldn't we do that? All athletes are disciplined in their training. See, there's our word, disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. You see, they did it to win a trophy or something on their head in this time. We do it for an eternal prize. We've got to keep our eyes on eternity to bring those adjustments to our lives for eternity. So I run with purpose. Oh, what a great statement. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing here. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. And he goes off and says, otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, looking like a Christian, I might be disqualified. You know, doing the church thing, I might still be disqualified. So I run with purpose every step. I run to win. Come on, let's run this race to win. Let, let's not be half-hearted with this. Let's not be apathetic. If we're in this race, why wouldn't we be running it to win it? Come on, start to shape up. Start to look at what your life looks like. Start to get rid of that stuff that's holding you back from God. Start running this race to win the race, to win the prize for, for eternity, for eternity, for goodness sake. If we just let habits dominate, old habits, bad habits, we're never going to get there. We're never going to win. We've got to discipline ourselves in this process. Discipline ourselves. And, and I've got this statement just to, to finish off. Actually, I have got a few points just to finish off, but I just I wrote this statement down because I thought it was really good. Am I choosing what I want most over what I want now? Am I choosing what I want most over what I want now? Are those temporal things, those tempting things right now, holding you back from the thing that God wants for you, the purpose God has got for you? You know? got to just examine yourself to run with purpose every single step step by step God's directing and guiding our paths there is a purpose in every single step and, and I just thought about Rick Warren said this if you want to have Christ-like character then you must develop habits that Christ had and, and if you want some good habits in your life what would they be as Christians spending time with God Spending time with God, spending time in His presence. You know, the worship this morning was brilliant. That song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. My goodness, what an anointed song. What an anointed song. Spending time with God, and you can't always do it in in church environment, of course. Spending time alone with God. Quiet time in the morning, reading your Bible, prayer, meditation, whatever you do, journaling, whatever you do. Just spend some time with God. Make that a habit in your life. Financial responsibility, the second one. You know, and tithing helps in this area. Helps you evaluate what's really important in your life. You know, my goal has always been to give 10% and to save 10%. Ever since I was a kid. Ever since I was a kid. And I, I wasn't even really a Christian at that stage. Even as a young man. You know, I had that habit of saving and giving. And I just think it's a really important habit to have in our lives. You know, I'm not waiting to win the lottery anymore. Duh. (laughs) 
No, I did win twice last night. I, I, for some reason, I checked my emails while I was sitting. I think I picked up my phone for something else, and I was going to get asked that right, some bank account details, and my emails popped in. I won the lottery twice last night. Did you know that? Got emails from Nigeria and uh, and Europe somewhere saying I won the lottery. Wow, I'm a lucky man. Twice in one night. Amazing. Here's the thing with financial responsibility, just really quickly. Tithing helps if you put that first and run everything else off that. It actually makes our priorities really clear in our lives. Um, Human nature is we basically spend what we make. And I don't know if you've ever got a pay increase. (laughs) I have. But we're going to have so much extra money every week. All this extra pay increase. Whoa, this is great. And then guess what? You spend what you make. And there's no extra money at the end of the week. We've got to be proactive with our money. We've actually got to put away what's important to us. Do it first, not last. Make it, make it a priority. And then work everything off that. And spend less than you make. You know? By taking it out. You know, and we're looking at doing some programs on this, um, hopefully this year. And, and uh, Ray's been trained in, in um, CAP money, it's called. And Chris has just bought a program uh, from Alan Meyer, uh, the Care for stuff. And, uh, so, and we already had one as well. So we're going to run some programs on, on money because I think it's really important. You do know how to budget. It's really important, you know. Uh, but give, give yourself some margin in your life. Don't spend everything you make. You know, give yourself an opportunity to be generous, you know, by having extra money. Pay off your debts quickly. Okay. And third thing, really quickly, be part of a church community. Be part of a life group. Be part of the church. Don't just come to church. Be the church. Get connected with people. Enter into that. Start to know people beyond just surfacey stuff. Get accountability with people. Actually learn about people's lives and let them learn about your lives. Yeah, risk a little. Step out a little bit in that, you know. Um, grow, rub shoulders with people. You'll grow in a, in a group. I know it won't always be comfortable, but you'll grow. You will. And, and, you know, that's how we're identified by our love for one another. As, as disciples of Christ, we're identified as... And, and if you don't know anyone, how can you be shown as a disciple? You need to know people. You need to, to love one another as the Bible tells us to. You need to be in that. Power of habits. Really important. Really important. I'm just going to pray to finish off as the band comes up. Um, just, just close your eyes, if you will. Father, I, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word, your scriptures, Lord. And Father, I pray that, that these, those don't fall on dead ears, God, that we actually take this on board and, and recognize that, that sometimes we do have to look at our lives and change some stuff that we do and change some of the habits we have, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning this message may have struck a chord with some people here. And Lord, you know, all of us have got bad habits somewhere in our lives that we need to get rid of. And Lord, we also need to start to add even more good habits in our lives, God, ways that, that honour you and and, uh, and make us better people and, and, and give us greater um, capacity in our lives, Father. So this morning, Lord, I just pray that your word goes deep, goes in deep, that the seed is, is deep, and there will be a germination of what you want in our lives, God, that that 
that bad habit that might be there, Lord, that we can actually work out a way to get rid of that. And, and Lord, that we'll start to put more good habits in our lives, whether it's, you know, as easy as eating patterns, as easy as, I mean, it's easy, it's not easy, but change of eating habits, but uh, change of exercise routines, change of the people we hang with, change with the way we approach our lives, God. You know, those, those habits that are just getting in the way, Lord, that we start to change those, consider those, work out a way to, to get rid of them. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray right now that you are the one that helps us in that Lord. We have to train ourselves to be godly, of course, but it's the name of Jesus that's going to help us at the end. And here this morning, I don't know where you are with your walk with God, you know, and and here's an opportunity to, to get your life right with God. You know, maybe you've done that before, maybe you've never done that before, but here's an opportunity to put all that right, right now. Just a choice, just a decision. And, and the way we do that here is just, you put your hand up in the air when, when you're ready. And, and, and so this morning, if you say, you know, Greg, I do want to get my, my life right with God. And, and while everyone's eyes are closed, it's just an opportunity. And all I ask you is just to put your hand in the air and I'll recognize it. And if you want to do that, fantastic. That's awesome. Is there anyone else here that would like to do that? Here's an opportunity just to get your life right with God. You know, He's a loving God. And this is one of the best decisions you'll ever make in your life. It's for eternity. It's for eternity. Anyone else? Great. Fantastic. Thanks, mate. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your love, for the joy, for the peace that we can have as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But yet, God... There's that one at the end, that self-control. God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, each one of us grows in that, that we train ourselves in better self-control so we can do what you want to do, so we can run the race with purpose, so we can run the race to win the race, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Hey, it's great to be back. Come on, let's give God a big applause this morning. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.